You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. podcast is brought to you by Penji. I am your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have Brad Baird on the show. Brad went from being a full-time CPA to retiring with complete financial independence by the age of 35. Through diligent savings and investing, he was able to do just that. Now, as a co-host and co-founder of ChooseFi, he's empowering others to reach for a life of purpose, intention, and ultimately happiness through the journey to financial independence. Brad and his partner, Jonathan, have produced 200-plus podcasts and have been downloaded over 9 million times and have 200-plus local ChooseFi chapters throughout the world. Brad relishes relishes spending his days with his wife and two daughters, as well as focusing on his health, fitness, and growing the relationships in his life. Financial freedom is something that we all want, but it's incredibly difficult to make it work for you. The idea that is ingrained into our heads as an adult, I would say, more so an adult than a kid, is to make money while you sleep and make money work for you and you not for your money. And Brad breaks down this financial independence and this financial freedom in a very easy way to understand. I I loved his stories about the niche websites that he's created. That's something that I personally have tried myself, and it was cool to be able to see somebody else do it and their approach. Um, and, and also how it's able to generate at least a little bit of income for him. Um, and, and so that was really cool. Something else that I also loved was how much he understands himself. And he, he knows what he likes. He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to invest his time in and also his money in. And the, the life that he lives is, is basically on his terms. I think one of the hardest things to do as a business owner or even a human being for that point is to understand what you want in life. And I I see companies failing due to the founder or the leader not understanding what they want or they're not clear or even honest with themselves up front in order to achieve the things that they want. And so if you want to make $100,000, then you know so be it. That's your goal. But if you want more, then you have to build the right systems in order to make it possible. And you have to be willing to make the appropriate sacrifices in order to make sure that if you want more than $100,000 a year or whatever that number is, that you're able to make it possible. Brad just does that. And I absolutely love this episode. I think the communication was incredibly awesome. And, and I think you can be able to experience that as well. So enjoy today's episode with Brad. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co, P-E-N-J-I dot C-O, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. 
And now, let's get to today's episode. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, man. So um, we always start the podcast off with a, is it true type of question. And after doing some research, I found that this couple saved $1 million in 11 years and became financially independent before 40. Is, is this true? Yeah. Yes, it is true. And it's funny, my uh, friends here in Richmond, VA, they still give me some grief about that article. It showed up like everywhere on, I think it was time.com and it was yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, money.com. Kind of uh, I, I read it on money.com at least, but I'm sure it was uh, all the, everywhere else too. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we just lived a very intentional life for basically, yeah, the first 11 or 12 years of our working career. And it wasn't, I, I think one thing we'll talk about financial independence, obviously, but it, to me, it's not about deprivation. Like you hear something like that and you're like, oh man, that guy must have either made a boatload of money, which really wasn't the case. In my case, I was a middle manager doing corporate state tax returns for, for my entire career. Or, man, they must have lived like hermits for their entire lives and just been miserable. And I mean, that certainly isn't the case either. It's, uh, yeah, just about, I guess, setting up a framework of a life that just doesn't cost that much. And that's how we were able to really save a significant amount of money. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into the framework because that's something that's really important to me. But what does financial independence look like to you or defined by you? Yeah, yeah, financial independence. I mean, there's the mathematical definition, but to me, it's really psychological. It's about having freedom. It's about having autonomy in your life to spend it as you see fit, right? I mean, what is our most precious resource? It's clearly our time. And mm -hmm. so many of us just live that hamster wheel life, right? We go to work, we work 40, 60, 80 hours a week. And in service of what? There's no goal, right? Like it's to buy fancy things like expensive cars and McMansions that you aren't in. It's like the ultimate irony, right? Like you're not actually enjoying those things because you're working all the damn time, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense. So whereas financial independence it actually, it reframes the whole game of life and makes it, all right, there's an actual goal to get to where you can make work optional in essence, right? Like that doesn't mean let's go off and sit on a beach and sip umbrella drinks. You can if you want to, right? Clearly. Mm -hmm. But it's about having that space to do what you want with your life. And to me, that is the ultimate freedom. Yeah. So let's break down the framework a little bit, because when I hear the word financial independence, um, things like serenity, the ultimate goal, those things come into mind. And I'm sure that's very similar to everybody else, too. So can you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, maybe how to get there or at least the mindset that we have to have in order to to start it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the mindset, like you just said there, is, is crucial. It's about really taking a step back, maybe for the first time in your entire life, and determining what do you value? What mm. do you want to get out of life, right? Like, what does is, what is a good life look like to you? And then how do you get there? If that good life, and, and I'm not standing up on high and preaching of, oh, you have to be, you can't drive an expensive car, you can't do this. What I care about is that you're intentional, right? So if you, after being introspective, determine, hey, I love my BMW, it's the most important thing in the world to me, then buy it, buy another one, 
right? Like that's the cool thing to me is this is about setting a framework of a life of intention. Mm -hmm. Clearly that's the starting point. And then how do you get there? Right? So for me in my own life, we've set up a framework of a life that doesn't cost that much. So we moved from a high cost of living area. We lived on Long Island, New York for most of our lives. We moved down to Richmond, Virginia, and it's a lovely place to live. I don't feel like I'm depriving myself at all by living here. We live in a upper middle class part of town, but I bought a four bedroom house for about $270,000 and the taxes were like nothing. Yeah. It just doesn't cost about a thousand bucks a month, right? Like we drive old cars. So I haven't had a car payment in 10 plus years, something like that. That one decision, the car makes, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars in net worth when you take that money and you invest it in, let's say, low cost index funds. So just that one decision, right? Like food, we don't go out to eat all that much, not because we're miserly or we're depriving ourselves. It's because my wife loves to cook. She loves to plan. So we've set up this, this kind of like game of life, which to me, Jonathan, is like the coolest part about this is like my wife and I, this has brought us closer together because we're a team, right? And it's how do you just live that same life as everybody else, or maybe even better and do it for a fraction of the cost. So, you know, we set up that framework, but then we spend lavishly in areas where we Mm. value, right? Like we love to travel. My kids are competitive swimmers. They're in year round swimming programs that cost thousands of dollars. Like I'm big into fitness. I go to CrossFit. Like, you know, these are not signs of someone who's miserly. This is a sign of someone who's figured out what do they value out of life? So, yeah. you know, that's what I would say to you and to everybody listening is just really maybe for the first time ever, just sit down and just figure out like, what does that look like? And clearly, you know, to your point about, about like, what does Phi look like maybe mathematically is you need to have some savings, right? Obviously, if you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're spending more than you earn at this point, you're never going to get to financial independence. It's impossible. Yep. yep. So you need to create that space. I'd like to hear um, how you were able to come about that because I think one, it's understanding, right? So you need to, I feel like the, the framework is, is like a maybe two, maybe 10 prong approach. So you have the idea of what it is that you want to know, like what, what you want in your life. You specifically are the people that you, that you speak to or consult and talk to clients, et cetera how do you get them to understand? Because for me, it could be like writing it down on a piece of paper or to somebody else, it could be sticking it on a wall and saying, that's the goal and that's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and you're absolutely right. Everybody has their own method. For me, I think what I counsel as the starting point is just get a sense of where you are, right? So many of us are frightened with our finances. It's just stick your head in the sand. Don't think about it hope you wake up at 80 and you know, aren't eating cat food, right? Like that's sadly what a lot of people go through life. Whereas, and you have to face it, put it on paper. I think that is the easiest thing. Put it on Excel, put it wherever you want and just find out what does my financial life look like today? And I think for many people that will be the first time they've ever done that. So what are my assets? What do I owe? How much money comes in? How much money comes out? And then you can at least start from a place of, okay, this is the case today. You can't beat yourself up about past decisions, right? Like 
I've made stupid decisions. You've made stupid decisions. We all have. You can't worry about that. You just have to move forward and say, all right, how can I make tomorrow and every tomorrow thereafter better? So like, that's how I would approach it. I mean, I think plenty of people do different games. Like they want to pay off their mortgage. So I mean, I've literally seen people have an abbreviated mortgage payoff schedule where they literally have boxes up on the wall. They've got a hundred boxes. Every time they make a payment, they put a big red X through it. And mm. man, doesn't that make them feel just awesome when, yeah. they, when they get to the end there? So I think, you know, there's a lot of ways we could obviously spend the whole podcast talking about that. But, but to me, I think you have to start with, all right, this is where I am today. What do I have to do to move forward? Why do you think, um, I, I think, and this is coming from my own personal experience, when growing up as a kid, my parents would fight about one thing and one thing only, and it was about money. And I told myself that at a very early age that I'll do anything that's possible in order to make sure that I never had the same arguments as my parents did. Why do you think the, I guess, the stress of, of money is, can be, I guess, detriment to relationships, to lives, et cetera? Yeah. No, and I, I think that is, that is very common. I know, yeah, my parents didn't really know much about money. I didn't learn from them. I mean, I think that's what so many of us, we don't have any type of financial education at all, right? So if you're coming, just like anything in life, if you're coming from a place of, of ignorance, and I know that sounds a little rough, but like, we don't learn this. We're all ignorant, no matter who we are. Like, I'm a CPA, and I felt ignorant with this. So it's no judgment on anybody else. It's just, that's the way life is set up. We have no idea. We have no role models. Everybody's afraid to talk to, talk mm -hmm. about it, right? Like, which is so silly. Like, this is the one great taboo left in American life. Yeah, and I, I would agree. Right? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I think, I think what we're trying to do with Choose FI and the financial independence movement is, is just normalize this. Make it something that people can talk about. Mm. Because it doesn't have to be that hard. You don't have to be so proud of, oh, I could never talk about money to my friends or, oh, I'm having money troubles. Like, I can't talk to anybody. Like, that's when you bottle it up, of course, the stress is going to come out in relationships and kids are going to see it. That, I mean, that's just the natural way this stuff goes down. But I mean, I think when you normalize any conversation, it just makes it so much easier. And I think yeah. a lot of us now, like, why is this? Phi movement coming to the forefront now. And I think, I think a lot of it is due to uncertainty, right? Like mm -hmm. we probably grew up in roughly the same generation. Like I know my parents and certainly grandparents, like they had pensions, they had a job that they could stay with for 20, 30 years. And it was just, there was that level of certainty in life. And I think that certainty has gone to a great degree. Just yeah. American life, right? Like think about how many jobs people coming out of college now are going to have in the next 20 years. I mean, the likelihood of any of them having just one job is so slim. And again, without having that education, people are taking it into their own hands. They're saying, all right, I don't want to wake up at 60 and have to eat cat food. That's, yeah. that's just not, that's not good enough anymore. So how do you get power in life? You have some money saved up. Like really, I don't want to make this sound like this is all about financial independence and being rich and, and all that. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with getting some of that power back. Yeah. Right. Like, 
Well, rich can be, um, can be defined by in so many different ways. Rich can be, uh, make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, rich can be, um, make 10 million a year, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I want to get to the power aspect of it. And cause I think that's important when you say power. And when we talk about finances, what are some ways that, that you've, that you can recommend to people to save that money in order to get that power and maybe even invest? Because I think a lot of people have money and this is just a personal belief. I do believe that, that money isn't necessarily the issue. I think it's more so that people are trying to figure out how to double the money or triple or quadruple the money. Um, and that's the issue because they can't make it fast enough. They can make the money, but they can't grow it to the way that they want. And then they're not able to, then that's where the insecurities come out is because of the ability to not grow. So I understand that you can't necessarily give like actual financial, here's the remedy type of solution. But if you could speak to just like some solutions that maybe have worked for you or maybe that you've seen to have worked for clients, et cetera. Yeah, that is a great question. And to me, it comes down to, again, just having, having a plan. So I, like I said before, I'm a CPA, my wife's a CPA. We theoretically should have some financial knowledge, but just like every, <laughs> everybody else, like I was flying blind when I graduated yeah. college. I had no idea how or what to invest in. And I was subject, I was basically prey for the financial advisor down the road. Like I, I still recollect going down into the bank branch and wanting to open up an IRA. And I was like, I felt so proud about myself. And they put me in this like horrible commission laden fund that I look back and I'm like, man, that guy should be locked up for something like that. Like it, you, cause he, I was trying to do the right thing. And I got, I was basically prey. Mm -hmm. And I think having some understanding that investing doesn't have to be that difficult. If you look at what a lot of a lot of people like Warren Buffett have to say, low cost index fund investing over, especially when you're talking about a 40, 50 year period, something like that, let's say decade, multiple decades or more, which is how we should think about investing. I think when we think about it as a get rich quick scheme, when we think about, oh, what's the next stock tip or Bitcoin we can invest in or whatever, it's easy to look at, oh man, somebody else is doing better or, I need to learn some more. Or I need to get lucky. I don't think wealth building is about luck at all. I mm -hmm. think it's a long-term intentional project that you look at and say, all right, what is the highest likelihood of success over a 30 to 50 year period? If you think it's that stock tip that you got from the guy on the corner, very hot, very, very, very unlikely. That's going to be your best, best chance of success. Your best chance of success. Again, people like Warren Buffett say, put it in low cost index fund investing. We love, particularly we love Vanguard uh, just because I like how they're set up, but uh, really any broad based index fund, total stock market index fund, S&P 500, something like that with a tiny little expense ratio. So you're basically getting the return of the market over 30 to 50 years. And I think I read a book called The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins and that opened my eyes to this. And uh, it just, Again, it's that feeling of contentedness where, all right, I, I finally get it for the first time. I'm not looking for that get rich quick scheme. I just, I have something that as long as I'm putting money into this, 
every week, every month, whatever it is, every paycheck, I'm going to wake up and have many, many, many millions of dollars someday. And I don't know about you, but that just feels good to me. Absolutely. It feels great. Um, I, I, this might be a personal question and if it is, please let me know. Um, but do you think that your mindset and decision-making process has changed having kids, having this future, um, myself, not married, um, myself, no kids. So I don't have that necessarily factor that goes into it, but I, I could imagine that when you have, uh, other human beings in order to look after y- your decisions start, to, you have to kind of change your mindset a little bit. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about the decision-making process that you had before and maybe even after you had children yeah. or even just doesn't even have to be children, just like a family. Yeah, that is, that is a great question. I, nobody has ever asked me that. I've never, honestly, I've never <laughs> thought of it. So this is stream of consciousness here, but I mean, yeah, I have, I have a wife, I have two young daughters and I think, I think to me, honestly, it's, it's, how do you, how do you teach them the right lessons? I think so modeling behavior and this, this probably is applicable for more than, you know, if you're uh, an owner of a company or you have direct reports, like modeling the right behavior, I think is, is the biggest thing that, that has helped me. And, and it's, it's made me shift my mindset in general from, I used to be like this kind of hard charging type A personality. And that's just not me anymore. Like I, I've listened to a lot of people like Tom Bilyeu at Impact Theory and really gotten a grasp of, of the growth mindset and just how powerful that is that like, you're not X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. You're a human being who is capable of learning anything. And, and that is just such an empowering place for me that I have always had these limiting beliefs of I can't do X or I can't do Y, but I don't feel that way anymore. And, and it, it's really cool. I, I mean, I, I literally just turned 40 years old last week and like, that's kind of a, a crazy number, you know? And, and I think a lot of people would say like, Oh, I've, I've already kind of done everything. I can't, I can't learn anything new. And like, that's exactly the opposite of where I am. Like I'm trying more things now, certainly in my, in my late thirties and now early forties than I've ever done. Like I'm, like I said before, doing CrossFit and like, I'd never lifted weights before in my entire life. Like that is something that now I'm trying to master. And I think I, you talked about mindset and I think the biggest lesson that I've had with my girls is, is trying to make this a part of their life. So uh, it's cool when you see it come full circle and like my kids, it's like, uh, I see uh, Star Wars in the background, like, you know, the, the pupil has become the master, right? Like my, my 10 year old daughter, is a competitive swimmer and you know i mean she's 10 so in the grand scheme of things this doesn't doesn't matter you know how well she does but uh let her listen to this yeah right 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 (laughs) but it's the mindset so true you know i've been i've been teaching her about this growth mindset of like she is a very good swimmer at 10 you know again it's at 10 but uh you know one of the top let's say couple hundred or thereabouts in in the country let's say but in the next lane the lane next to her at practice there are four girls who are like top 50 in the country. And she looks at them and says like, how can I ever get there? What a, like she almost threw her hands up and this is a 10 year old. Like you don't want to see a 10 year old giving up. Mm-hmm. But after internalizing this message of the growth mindset and you can get better over a long period of time, she came up with this terminology that just blew my mind. And 
it was building a brick in my wall. Mm. All right. So every practice now, she shows up and has one express goal of just getting better at one thing. And she's day by day, week by week, year by year, building a wall of success. Hmm. Right? Like, think about if all adults had that mentality, what a better world we'd have. Like, this is a 10 year old kid who came up with that terminology on her own. Every single practice, she shows up with a goal of building that brick hmm. and just making herself better. So how can I be the best, the best swimmer in Virginia when I'm 15? Like, who has that kind of long-term thinking? That's right? awesome. So I think, I think it's, that's a, a, a lot of lessons kind of built in that two-minute story. But, but long-term thinking is, is really crucial just for success in life and certainly with finances. Yeah, I actually want to share a quick story, something that I've shared uh, publicly on the podcast before. And it's this, uh, this story of when I went to a park. I live in, uh, in, near Philadelphia and I walk around a lot. And I was at this park and this little girl is no more than two. She sees a boy climbing up the, um, I, I guess it's like a, an obstacle, so to speak, within a, within a park. And it was like probably about six feet tall. She sees this little boy who's much older than him uh, much older than her climb up to the top. The little girl then starts to go through no fear at all. Didn't even care what the risks were, had no idea what falling was, but just was like, you know what? I'm going to hit that top and I'm going to go and I'm going to meet that boy, whatever it is. I'm going to beat it, beat the boy, whatever the mindset is of the little girl. And so it got me thinking, here's this fearless young girl has no idea what the repercussions are if she were to fall. Now, if you were to do the same thing to a 40-year-old, to a 30-year-old, whatever it may be, I can almost guarantee you that that person would never take that same risk that that little girl is because that 40-year-old, that 30-year-old fell. You know, that 40-year-old, that 30-year-old has fallen before and it stopped them from doing it again. And so do you feel as if that, long-winded story, but the question is, do you feel as if that, when we get burned or when we get screwed over or when we fail, it stops us from becoming, I guess, our true selves or the highest potential of ourselves. Yeah. I, th I mean, I think sadly it can, if you, if you have that, I guess, fixed mindset and also like an external locus of control where like someone else there's some other they, right? Like how many times do you hear about the elusive they? Oh right? yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's, it's, you're giving up control. You're saying that someone else is controlling mm. that decision for you. And like, I think when you bring that internally and you say like, all right, maybe, maybe things went wrong there, but what can I do to pick myself back up and make it better the next time? And I mm. think, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurship here and, I mean, I had a string of failed online businesses and, and I, look, I look back and could say with that fixed mindset of, oh, I, was, I, I had the wrong teachers. They taught me the wrong thing. I didn't do it right. I, this and that. But no, I look back and I say, I was inauthentic. And that was the biggest lesson. I was at that point, this was probably 10 years ago. It was like the SEO gaming nonsense with like <laughs> these spammy sites. And like, 
to imagine the Brad Barrett of 2019 doing that is like laughable. Like I look at myself, and I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Like, why would I do that? Why would I be that inauthentic? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I knew that was the wrong thing to do, but I did it anyway. Mm -hmm. So whereas I could have given up, right? Like very, very easily. I could have just said, eh, I read the four hour work week. It was great. That's why I got into this, but eh, it just didn't work. It's a scam, right? Like how many people just blame, oh, it's a scam. That could never work. Right? Yep. You hear that all the time, but I just kept learning. And I said like, all right, look, I did the wrong thing. I screwed up. This is on me. And I'm never going to make that mistake again. Right. Yeah. How can I create, take what, what is a fairly interesting kind of talent stack. If you follow Scott Adams, uh, he uses that phrase of the talent stack, which is basically you don't need to be world-class at anything, but if you're, if you're in the top 10, 15% at like a various bunch of, of skills that maybe are somewhat unique, then you can put together something that maybe the world hasn't seen before because, because you're thinking that slightly differently. So for me, it was, all right, I'm big into uh, travel rewards, using credit card travel rewards and to travel basically for free. I have a website that doesn't get a lot of traffic, but there are these affiliate links where I can make yeah. some money, right? It's actually, that was actually my, I literally on my, my questions list, that was the next question yeah. that I was going to go down. So yeah, thank you for bringing up without yeah. me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, let, so let me finish the story and then, and I'd love to hear what you're going to ask. So um, yeah, I mean that, so that was, I have this dopey little site called richmondsavers.com that gets a tiny little bit of traffic, but, but you know, some traffic, certainly. I have these affiliate relationships. I have this accounting background and I have a wealth of knowledge on travel rewards. Like, what do you do? So I realized I was never gonna be the points guy or million mile secrets getting millions of visitors a month with richmondsavers.com, right? Like <laughs> that was not possible. But what I could do was take a hybrid version of this and say, all right, there are a lot of families out there like mine that want to go to Disney World for free using rewards points. And I can help them. I can niche down and actually literally jump on the phone. So no joke, like I was a CPA and at lunch, I had a 12 o'clock call and a 12.30 call where I would literally jump on the phone with people and walk them through this because at that point, five or six years ago, it was really hard. Travel rewards, like using credit cards, like this sounded crazy to a lot of people. It's become a lot more mainstream now, but like people were scared. And I think literally getting on the phone with another human, like made this somewhat doable. So again, I took that hybrid business of looking with the accountants had of saying, what's the lifetime value of customer here, right? Is this worth 30 minutes of my time? If they're going to click on my affiliate links a bunch of times, of course it is. I mean, that's a no brainer, especially because they're going to go to Disney world and they're going to post on Facebook and tell their friends and family about it. And like to your point before, I think people see, people see stories, right? And they see something to emulate and that's when they realize it's not a scam and yeah. this is something that's doable. So like you need that proof. A lot of people are scared. They don't want to take action, but when you see it happen, all right, this is legit now, right? So I was able to, again, to take that accountant's head and say, how can I take tiny little website traffic and turn this into a viable, if not thriving business? Yeah. So 
it was a hybrid of online real world. I didn't charge anybody for that time. It was just, hey, I'll do travel rewards coaching to get you to Disney World. And just, you know, the tacit understanding was just use my affiliate links, which you're still getting the same offer as if you went through the, you know, promo that showed up in the mail or went through the bank. So it was a win-win for everybody, right? Yeah. So uh, the article that you're referencing, which I'm going to link in the show notes, um, and it's called Take Your Family to Disney World for Free, Step-by-Step Instructions, richmondsavers.com. It was written in February 15, 2016, um, and it has over 204 comments on it. And I think one of the biggest scams, or I don't think, excuse me, a lot of people think that one of the biggest scams is the affiliate marketing world. When you hear affiliate marketing, people cringe. But I think if you were to make a very niche, very specific website and throw your affiliate links on there, you can make some pretty decent money on it. I mean, you're, I don't, I'm not even going to ask how much money you're making off of this, but like, this is an amazing article. Uh, I'd say it's probably about maybe 1200 words. Uh, You could probably tell me if it's less or more. Um, But you have links here. You're very obvious about it and you're offering some great advice in order for people to receive some type of financial or at least some freedom and relief from their day-to-day world. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad you like it. And yeah, it's, uh, I I like to set up win-wins. I think people, people, could always go and again, just Google that credit card and I would never know and no harm, no foul, right? Yep. But I think people, if I'm offering a service and they, they want to help me and it doesn't cost them anything, they just literally click on it. Like, yeah, I, I hear you. I think in, in our world, in the, the online kind of creators world, like affiliate marketing does get a bad rap sometimes, but, but I think people get it. Like, I think, I think real people understand that, all right, this is, you know, a service they're providing, they created great content or whatever it may be. Of course, I'm going to use their link. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it it has it has worked out very, very well. And I was able to kind of springboard me into a website called Travel Miles 101, where I basically offer kind of uh, like a free email course. And that actually was is what's interestingly enough led me to finding my co-host on Choose FI. He nice. literally heard me on another podcast and was like, wow, this guy Brad is in Richmond VA. He's into rewards <laughs> and he's into financial independence. And that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool, man. So uh, yeah, it's it's funny. You never know where the world will take you. And uh, like I said, five years ago, I was doing corporate state tax returns in an office, in an office park in Richmond. And now we're getting like a million downloads a month on our podcast, Choose a Buy. It's, uh, it's crazy. That's awesome. Well, congratulations to you. And, and as we wrap down, I, I have one thing that I've been thinking about and kind of the essence of why I wanted you on the show. I was listening to a podcast with Tim Ferriss with Ramit Sethi, and he's a very big into financial freedom. And I'll link that one in the show notes as well. I think it's an amazing, amazing um, conversation. And you, in the very beginning, you said that you don't necessarily go out to eat, but you 10x your travel. And he talks about this guide, right? And it's about, he said it's about like a 20 to 30 page guide where if you do this, then why will be done? So if I go to travel, if I spend six hours uh, on an air flight, I have to fly first class. Right, that's his mindset. If I go to a restaurant, 
um, or if like his, his budget for, for, uh, clothing is like zero because he doesn't care about it, but his budget for travel is 10 X. So he says, whatever it is that you believe in and whatever it is that you are passionate about 10 X that. So whether it's a car for you, it's not, but if it's car 10 X that don't just buy the base, buy the 10 X version of that car. And I was wondering if you ever had some type of like, I guess, Bible, so to speak that, that or some maybe it's just like an internal bible or a plan like do you have this thing written down and if you did how many pages do you think would actually be in it wow what a great question that is i do not have anything like that committed to paper but you know it's funny i, I i'm a big fan of Ramit. so so yeah i've read his book i've listened to the podcast and and i agree with a lot of his thinking i for me simplicity is everything i live my life by the guiding light of simplicity. So I don't know if mine would even be 20 pages, honestly. I mean, I think just in general, it's have that conversation with yourself, whoever your significant other, whoever it may be, and figure out what do you want out of life? How do we get there? What do we value, right? Like, what do we want to spend money on? What do we not? And because just kind of automate, I think automation is everything. Like if you let your dopey brain get in the way, it's going to screw everything up. So uh, Ramit definitely talks about, you know, paying yourself first. I think that's something I've long talked about is, is just setting this on autopilot. I don't do, I maybe spend, I don't know, under five minutes a month on my finances at this point, because everything happens automatically. All the transfers happen automatically. I make sure I have enough in my checking account. So I'm not freaking out about when is money going to come in or when is that bill coming out? Like, when you start doing that, your life just gets so much more stressful. So mm -hmm. set up a structure that works for your brain. That's my brain, right? Like, I don't know how your brain works, but some people like micromanaging and that's yeah. great. Do your thing. That's totally cool. I don't like that. So I keep an extra amount of money in my checking account because if there's a bigger credit card bill that month, I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to have to worry about it. So it just, it comes out. That's fine. And I've set up everything on autopilot. Again, money gets sent over to, to Vanguard in my case, low cost index funds, and it all just kind of happens in the background. And then it enables us to your point about 10 Xing. my actually two weeks from yesterday. So 13 days from when we're recording this, my family and I were going to Hawaii for 20 nights and we're not thinking for one second about the cost of this thing. You know, obviously we use rewards points for, for the flights and, uh, and for some of the hotel nights, but, but that trip is going to cost a lot of money. There's no two ways about it. And my wife and I said, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna scrimp on this. We want to just enjoy how many times are we going to get to spend almost a month in Hawaii? Yeah, it's huge. Probably once. Right. So yeah. enjoy yourself. Love it. Awesome, man. Your advice is simple. Your, the way your approach is is tactful and uh i had a great conversation with you and thank you so much for your time if you could tell us a little bit more about how people can find more about you um i'm going to have the links in the show notes for the at least the disney one but i'm going to have all the other links that you share too uh and also buy your book because you have a book on that bot that top right hand corner yeah. so i'm sure um pushing the book is always something that's worthwhile for you yeah, well, I appreciate it. And yeah, this is a great conversation. Like I said, during the, during the call, you asked just incredibly insightful questions I haven't heard anywhere else before. So thank you, honestly. Absolutely. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, choose FI is, is what I'm spending a hundred percent of my time on at this point. It's our, if you're listening to this podcast, just search for choose FI. I would suggest starting with episode 100, but then just hit subscribe, go back to the start. And, uh, another link would be choose slash start. We have a link to our book, which is coming out October 1st. And I guess if this, if this concept appeals to you, I, I, like we talked about, it's about finding those stories and it's about finding connection in life. I think that's huge. And we have now 200 choose FI local groups spread throughout the whole world, 200 plus cities in 25 countries where people are getting together in real life and breaking down those barriers of, oh, money's this taboo, right? You can actually talk about it now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's amazing to see how the community has grown. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, congratulations to you and your success. And thank you again so much for your time. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Brad Barrett. All right, listeners, I want to send a worldwide challenge out to you today. And I want it to revolve around financial freedom, something that I've been doing for the past, uh, I'd say two months or so now, is I created a, a what's called a playbook. And I actually got this idea from Ramit Sethi, who is also into financial literacy. And uh, basically the, the playbook mentions all the different things that I need in my life in order to be, I guess, free mentally. So it has all of my, um, I guess, like documents or like logins and my um, if this not if this now, then when if not now, then when if this happens, then do this action, my goals, my dreams, the things I want. I mean, it's probably about like at this point, a 15 page document. And I, I don't know, to me, it's just it makes a lot of sense. So. This week, I'd like you to go out and make your own version of a playbook. I, I don't know. I'm calling it playbook. Maybe it could be something better. Who knows? But to me, this playbook has, again, my head changed my life. So, and when you do that, please tweet me at ChrisBowskiJ or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. You can find more about Brad at choosefi.com. Uh, there's in the show notes, you'll see the article about Brad's uh, Disney the website he has about for Disney um, and also a couple of the other websites that he's associated with and and has created. Uh, And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could share this with a friend. Again, this podcast was brought to you by Penji. So if you need any type of simple, easy, and affordable graphic design solution, um, head over to penji.co. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.